Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Um, it's been nice to have some warm days, hasn't it? Off and on, here and there. So, good news for you, it's 95 days till spring. That's all, that's not bad. That'll happen before we know it. And I'm excited. Uh, my daughter Amber and her fiance are coming in tomorrow from Portugal. So, that'll be good. Amber will be staying here and he will be going to back to Portugal and applying for a fiance visa and everything that goes along with that. So, that's what's lying ahead for us here. Um, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's bow our heads here for just a moment. So I want you to think about your life a little bit. Usually, you know, I, I want to get you to try to, let's don't think about your life. Let's think about here the sermon for a moment. But let's think about your life. Think about the people in your life and the relationships that you have, um, whether they're going well or not. Think about if you work, your work setting, what's happening at work. Think about um, your money situation. What's going on with your money? This time of year can bring a lot of stress to that. What's going on with your money? How about health issues? Maybe you or someone you know, are there things lurking there that you're really concerned about, maybe? Um, just your life in general, the challenges that you face. So as you, as you think about your life this morning, could anyone use some encouragement. Father, I pray as we look to your word today that you would encourage us um, and that you'd help us to see truth that would, would transform how we're looking at things, which would transform what we do and how we feel. I pray for that, Father. We want to honor you here today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is entitled The Encouraging Story. It's about, we want to look at Christmas and say, what is there there that could really encourage us? Now, encouragement is important. Uh, maybe sometimes more than we realize. You know, we come to church and, and we hopefully get encouraged, but oftentimes we're kind of hoping that we get some encouragement along the way. Um, <clears throat> and there's a couple of things that we can focus on. First Thessalonians chapter three, the apostle Paul says this. He says that we sent Timothy to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. And I think that maybe as a pastor that my focus tends to be more on the establishing part, right? And I hope that you're encouraged. <laughs> but the establishing part, right? Trying to get things nailed down, how we live our lives, how we look at life, how we respond to the Lord, where we're headed, all those kinds of things get you established. But <clears throat> Paul said, put the two things, we sent Timothy to not just to establish you, which you need, <clears throat> but we also sent him to encourage you. And so I'm reminded that we need encouragement. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Christmas story, just to pull, look at some things about it that I find to be very, very encouraging truths that, that can make a difference for us as we live our lives. All right? So let's, let's start. We're going to the, to the Gospel of John, where we were last week. Gospel of John. John chapter 1. 
It's page 1220 in the Bible that's there in the chair. John chapter 1, we see verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And we saw last week that this is talking about the Son of God, okay? That He is equal to God the Father. They are equally God. And then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christmas. Okay, the Christmas story. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, when did the Christmas story begin? Think about that. When did it begin? Did it begin that time when Jesus was born? No. Did it begin when He was conceived by the Holy Spirit? No. It began before the world began, okay? And so here's the first encouraging truth from from the Christmas story today, and that's that before the world began, God had, he already knew about us, all about us, all about us. He loved us, he accepted us, and chose to create us and save us before he ever created the world. Now, could God have created the world differently? Could he have, you know, set things up a little differently, changed the circumstances? Could God have intervened in that world a little differently than he's intervened in ours? Right, I mean, all different things could have happened, right? Well, how many possibilities do you suppose there are? I mean, for us, it would be an infinite number. I don't know how it's for God or not, but God knew what every one of those possibilities would be like, right? He knew that in this one, these people would would respond and choose and believe. In this one, these people would choose and respond. He knew, and and I tell you what, out of all of those, he chose the one where you and I have come to believe. Before he began the world, he made this decision and set things in motion and and brought us to where we are and the opportunities. And so he knew us. Uh, without raising your hand, has anybody here sinned? Anybody sinned? Right. Has, has anybody um, sinned really badly? Have you sinned in ways that you just assumed nobody here knew about? Right? I mean, that's the reality of us. But God knows every one of those things. And when did he know it? Before he made the decision to create. And so this means he looked down at us and looked at, and he knew us, and he loved us, and knowing everything that would mean, he created us. He he knew us, he knew all about us, he loved us, he accepted us, he chose to create us and save us. and so it's interesting, the book of Revelation, you see the verse up there, Jesus is described there as, as the lamb slain from when? From the foundation of the world. The idea is that moment when God sermoned to create and do this, it was already settled that Jesus was going to have to what? The Son of God was going to have to enter the world, become a human being, and die for us, and take the penalty for our sins the sins of the whole world upon himself. He knew, how much did he love us? 
So what I want you to see is this, that we see that from the very beginning, this was the plan. He already knew the plan. And um, it isn't like someone came along, an angel came along and brought the news to the Lord and said, Lord, those people you made, they sinned. He goes, what? Oh, no. They've sinned. And what? Oh, no. You know what that means? Now that means I got to do something. Man, if I'd have only known, I might not have created it. That's not the way it went. I mean, I think the reality is that, that you and I, as we look even at the people around us, when something comes up, some people that we know, and there's a need in their life, and we are saying, I don't know if I want to get involved, because if I get involved, it may get what? Really messy. But you know what? If you, if, if you happen to love that person enough that you're willing to stake the mess, see? Well, the Lord already knew the mess before he ever created. All right? Ephesians chapter 1 says that he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. He made us accepted in the beloved. So again, God knew us and chose us and, and chose to accept us. And, and, and of course, he saved us. We understand this. So the, let me just make sure because maybe somebody here or someone watching doesn't understand that. Every one of us has sinned against the holy God. We've already talked about that. And that sin separates us from God. We can know about God. We can believe that he exists, but we are separated from him. That's because that's what our sin does. And if we die in that condition, we will be separated from God forever in hell. That's what our sins have earned us. But God, as we saw already looking down before he ever even created the world, said, you know, I don't want that to be the case. And he sent his son into the world, became the man Jesus, lives perfect sinless life, dies on the cross. And as he dies on the cross, God the Father put the penalty for my sin on him. All of my sins, all those ones that only God and I know about. And he put them on his son Jesus. And he died there paying the penalty for all of our sins, the sins of the whole world. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And what God offers to us is this gospel, the good news, is that if you will acknowledge that, yes, I have sinned, my sins have, have separated me from God, and my own way of living life is, is earning me hell. But I believe that Jesus is who the Bible said he was. I believe that he did what the Bible said he did. He died for my sins and rose again. And, and just by faith, God, I'm going to believe that he died for me. And I personally am going to receive Jesus as Savior. And the Bible says that when we do that, he forgives every sin. He gives us eternal life and he moves into our lives and begins working on us deep down inside to bring about some good and eternal changes. And so that is that, that good news. And so it says that he chose us in him. He has made us accepted. Uh, in other words, our sin is no longer a barrier between us and God. Before I received Jesus Christ as Savior, as a 19-year-old young man, my sins were a barrier between me and God. But when I received Jesus as Savior, every sin was paid for, and that barrier was forever moved, removed. I have a relationship with God, and I am accepted by him. One of the things that, that really drives a lot of people, uh, Christian, non-Christian, 
to places that they don't want to be and ways that they've approached life is the feeling of rejection. Your feeling of being rejected by a parent, feeling of being rejected by uh, someone who is significant in your life, feeling of, and, and then what happens, it's not just a feeling of rejection, but it's a fear of the feelings of rejection, right? Now people sometimes won't do something that they really ought to do because they're afraid they'll be rejected or they uh, will do something wrong in order to try to avoid feeling rejected and we make all sorts of terrible decisions like that. The one who knows you best has accepted you. Absolutely. Everything. Right? You know, how, how secure can you be in this? How secure this one who, who paid this penalty, he knew everything about you, he paid the penalty in full. He, he, he came and gave, I mean, if God would do that for us, how, how, do we need to be Oh, insecure and trying to somehow rather protect ourselves. How much does God value us? You guys, anybody here have any things that are really valuable to you that you get out at Christmas and set out? Anybody? Just a few of you? Okay. Do you, when the end of the Christmas season comes, you just take it and toss it into a box? No, what do you do? You take care of. We take care of the things that are valuable to us. And so he, we are accepted and we are valuable to him. He's going to keep us safe and secure. He is going to, we, we struggle to feel significant. I want my life to count. I want to be somebody. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But how much more significant could you get than God himself loving you, choosing to create you, knowing the mess you would be, but saying, I don't care, I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide salvation for this person and I'm gonna bring them to myself. I'm gonna, when they come to Christ, I'm gonna accept them in him, in the beloved, and I'm gonna hold them close. And, and I got plans for them. So the next time that somebody looks down their nose at you, the next time that somebody says something to you like they're rejecting you or that you are insignificant or, or tries to intimidate you and make you feel insecure, you could realize, you know what? Hey, I tell you what. There's somebody who knows me way better than you. And he's already accepted me. And he's doing things in my life. So you got a problem with that? You take it up with him. Okay? Right? So that is, this is encouraging truth that God knew us before he ever created. He knew all about us. He, and yet he chose us. He loved us and chose to save us and did what it took to save us. That's an encouraging thought. Okay? The second encouraging thought is this. That God knows everything. And he enables us to know what we need to know when we need to know it. And he helps, it should say, helps us understand that we don't need to know what we can't know. That's a lot of words. <laughs> Let's work through it again, okay? God knows everything. Got it, right? That means everything. Everything. Everything about everything. Everything about everything about everything, okay? 
God knows everything. He enables us to know what we, what's the next word? Need to know. Not necessarily everything we want to know. Everything we need to know. And when does he make sure we know it by? When we need to know it. Okay? And this is, this last one's big. And he helps us understand that we don't need to know what we can't know. Because there's a tendency in our lives to say, well, I, I, there's something I don't know. I, I can't do because I don't know. Not true. If it's something you cannot know, you don't need to know it. It seems simple, doesn't it? Uh, but I want you to think about this with the characters in the Christmas story. And we didn't read the story, but I'm hoping that, that you feel familiar enough with it um, to understand this. So Mary... An angel shows up to her as a, as a young woman and, and, and you know, pronounces a blessing on her. And then he says, you're going to have a son who's going to be the son of God. He's going to be the savior of the world. This is what's going to happen. And she says, how can this be? I don't know how this could be. I, I haven't been with a man. How can that even be? And of course the angel explains that the Holy Spirit is going to come and miraculously make you with child, okay? But so the Lord brings to Mary the information. In fact, now I think God lets us know lots more than we actually have to know. But in his grace and mercy to Mary, he just says, "Let me. okay, here's what's going to happen. And he told her what was going to happen. All right, beforehand. How about Joseph? So Joseph gets word that his Betrothed wife, his engaged wife, is expecting a child, and he knew it wasn't his. And so he's thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta just take care of this, take care of the legal matters, put it, this aside, and just keep it quiet, not make a big deal out of it. Joseph needs to know something, doesn't he? He needs to know. And so what does God do? God sends an angel and says, Joseph, you don't need to be afraid. Take her to be your wife because this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is a work of God that's going on. And then it goes on and gives him more instructions, tells him what to name the baby, the name in Jesus, because this name means that God is salvation. And so God shows up and tells him. Now, um, God tells us, I said things, I said probably things that we don't, wouldn't have to know, but he determines that we need to know it. We have shepherds hanging on the, in the hillside, hanging out in the hillside, right? They are there uh, taking care of the sheep. It's a normal night. They don't understand that the very Son of God has been born. And, you know, in a, in probably in a little cave nearby where they were. They didn't know that. So what's God do? Sends them an angel. Tells them. Sends a bunch of angels. Tells them. And they go to see what's going on. And that sure enough, they find the baby. And then the Bible says that they went everywhere telling everybody what they had seen. And, and that's exactly what the Lord wanted them to do. They could not have done it if they did not know that the baby was there. So what did God do? He enabled them to know what they needed to know to be able to do what they needed to do. I doubt that he answered all of their questions. Okay? Then we have the wise men. 
They are well over a thousand miles away from the birth of Jesus. Okay? How in the world? I mean, there was no, no social media. Oh, look, a baby was born. They don't have any of that kind of stuff. In fact, what they have is they have copies of ancient documents, all sorts of ancient documents. This is the kind of people that they were. And they happen to have a, a, a copy, probably most likely, of the book of Genesis, and they had a copy of the book of Numbers. And in those, they see clues that there's going to be a king born in Judah, and a star is connected to this king. And then they begin looking at the sky, and all of a sudden a star that they had not seen before appears, and most likely it is over what? Over Israel, over Judah. And so they set out, and they finally show up there in Jerusalem and go and see the king. And I believe that God used their gifts to provide for Mary and Joseph and Jesus in those early years of their lives when they're having to run for their lives. All right? But they never would have known unless God had given them that information. If he hadn't worked in their lives, had brought their attention to this particular passage of this ancient document, right? So God enabled them to know what they needed to know. Another story, it's not in the Christmas story, but if you think of uh, uh, Elisha, is Elisha or Elijah? I think it's Elisha, I wrote it down here. Yes, Elisha. Elisha, he gets up in the morning, his servant gets up in the morning and he sees all of these soldiers around, encamped around him. He says, we're in trouble, enemy soldiers, we're in trouble. And so the, the I got this fly. Um, hang on, let me get back, let me get back refocused here. Um, so the army surrounding him, and, and he says to Elisha, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha says, look, the, the, the forces with us are greater than what you see there. And the servant's looking around like, what do you mean? And so Elisha says, the Lord opened his eyes so he can see. And he opened his eyes and he saw that there were many, many more Forces, spiritual forces, angelic beings, chariots of fire. Okay? So we're okay. Now, the reality is that that kind of thing's always going on in our lives. But God doesn't let us know, does he? And if he hasn't let us know that, then what? We don't need to know that. But he's given us his word. And we look and see a story like this, that God is working behind the scenes. Even when I can't see it, I know that. He's enabled me to know that. And so I can do what I need to do. And God will never hold you accountable for something you cannot know. Okay? So what do you need to know to face the problems in your life today? What do you need to know? You know, what do you need to know about what's coming down the line? Here's the deal. If you want to please God with your life, I promise you, he will make sure that you know what you need to know, when you need to know it. And if he hasn't made it known to you or it cannot be known by you, you don't need to know it. But that's what I want to know. <laughs> right? But we've got to step back from that and say, God has told me everything I need to know 
to please him right now. Okay? Very, very good to remember that. All right. Uh, the next um, truth, encouraging truth, and again, I don't have a specific scripture to um, set it with, but it's that God is not limited by our limitations. God is not limited by our limitations. We see that right away in the story. Can a virgin give birth to a child? By any natural perspective? No. Cannot happen. Was God limited by that? Was he limited by that? No, he wasn't limited by that. God is not limited by our limitations. God knows We've already talked about that. God is able. And so when it comes to just the big picture in general, we talk about our lives, that if there's something that God wants me to do, and I look at my life and I say, I don't think I'm able to do that, but God wants me to do it, then God will do what needs to happen for for me to be able to do it, right? And so the key question is always not, Am I able to do this? But the question is, is this what God wants me to do? Now, most of the time we want to just look to his word and see, right? What is it that God wants me to do? He can enable me to do this. So is there somebody, just think right now, is there somebody that you, in your life that's in your circle who you know you don't think probably knows the Lord and, and you think, man, I'd love to have him come to the, the Christmas Sunday so that they can really hear a special presentation of the gospel. But man, I, I don't know how to ask. I, uh, you have all these hesitations, you have these limitations. But wait a minute. Is God limited by your limitations? No. And so then the idea is you must step out. You must say, okay, God, I, I feel limited, but you told me to do this. I mean, think about Moses. You know, we talked about him in our Bible study a few weeks ago. Moses says, God, I can't do this. I, I can't talk. To, I don't know how to talk well to Pharaoh. I can't. God, don't worry, I got to cover it, right? And he, he, he provided a way to deal with those things. And so you think specifically in your own life. What is there in your own life that you think either, wow, Based on what the word says, I know I'm supposed to do this. I just don't know how I'm able. I have this limitation and this limitation. But God says to do it. All right. Am I going to believe God or am I going to believe what I think about myself? Do you those of you who were in the Bible study a few weeks ago, do you remember how the the, the spies who went into the land saw themselves. It says, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers in their sight. Well, I don't care how you see yourself. How does God see you? What has he called you to do, right? And so the idea is to know that God is not limited by my limitations. He's not limited by your limitations. And so whether it's just things that are straightforward in the word that we need to somehow rather step out and believe God on, he can do those things in our lives. Or maybe something even more pointed and personal to you, where it's something that God wants you to do, a change God wants you to make, a place God wants you to go, whatever it is. And you're saying, you gotta make a decision. Right? God is not limited by your limitations. So step out and go. 
Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I want to encourage you. <laughs> but it's encouraging to know that God is not limited by your limitations. Right? God is limited by my limitations. That'll be a sad day. But he isn't. Okay? All right. The fourth truth here. God takes, care, or takes those who are nobodies in the eyes of the world and uses them to change the world. Amen. Nobody's in the eyes of the world, but God uses them to change the world. Mary is just a peasant girl, basically. Poor girl from a place that's not, you know, well thought of even. And God chooses her. And nobody in the eyes of the world, and, and you know, gives her this great blessing of being able to give birth to the Son of God and raise him. Um, Joseph, the carpenter. And a carpenter in those days, there wasn't a lot of wood, so carpenter was more likely a builder. He's probably working with stones and all this kind of stuff. He's basically a nobody in the eyes of the world, too. Do you think we ever would have heard of Joseph if he hadn't been? Right? But God chooses him. God works his life and uses him. Now, Joseph is off the scene by the time Jesus is an adult, and so he, he probably passed away. But God used Joseph to be the one who trained the Son of God as a man growing up, trains him in the scriptures, trains him about how to live life, about how to keep the way he trained. He has that privilege. Okay? Um, how about the shepherds? The shepherds are nobodies. In fact, they were looked down upon in society. Okay? Um, I don't have a good correlation to that, but I think it's like this. Oh, no, here come the shepherds. They're only because they don't smell very good. Um, and yet God uses them. Like I said, he, he reveals them to me. He gets them to see it, and they go and they tell people, and they tell people, and they tell people, and they tell people. You know what? It's possible that they told someone who told someone who you know, told someone who came to believe, who told someone who told someone who told them that the person who told me might be in that line. Right? It changed the world through it. Nobody's in the eyes of the world. Um, and I think most of, well, I think all of you are cool. <laughs> I do, I, and I, some of you, you, know, you, you do neat things in your work or in your life or your, all this kind of stuff. But I venture to say that there's probably nobody in here today that if we went to other places in the country or other places in the world, hey, do you know Tom Wales? No, never heard of him. But do you know that God is using Tom Wales to change the world? He's using me, he's using you to change the world because every time we take a step of faith and walk with God and where we go, God goes and then we serve him and we do and it, it is a ripple effect. God is changing the world through us who are nobodies and that person who's the most famous person in the world who doesn't know Jesus is gonna die and go to hell and their life will have counted for nothing but you and I, God can use to change the world. And finally, when we are yielded to the Lord, we can overcome our fears. 
When we're yielded to the Lord, we can overcome our fears. And uh, two thoughts here. One is overcome our fears. Doesn't necessarily mean the fears have gone away. But we overcome them. They don't run our lives. They don't ruin our lives. Our fears, we get to where we can make a different decision. We can trust God in the face of our fears. We can go forward in it. And then the, the second important thought there is that when we are yielded to him, If you're not yielded to God, I don't want to say this. So let's say that we're in a situation where um, a hurricane is coming, and it's coming, it's going to hit Massachusetts dead on, and, and, and we need to be safe, and there are places that have been designed for this specifically, and so, you know, we're, we're supposed to go there and be there. And if we go there and be there, we will be safe. But if we don't, we're out on our own, do we have maybe more reason to be afraid? Okay, well, this is sort of what it is with God. When we yield ourselves to God, we put ourselves in a place where nothing can harm us unless God allows it. And if God allows it, it's because he has good and big purposes for it. And so if I'm yielded to God, I don't need to be afraid. Now. That doesn't mean I don't still get afraid, because I'm human. All of you guys here still human? Yes. Right. So we may find ourselves getting afraid, but we, we don't need to be afraid. But what we do need to do is yield to God, all right? So let's look at some verses here, and we see this. You know, God uh, comes to Joseph, and it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, what? Do not be afraid. To take you marry your wife, for that which is conceived her is of the Holy Spirit. And God enables him. And Joseph, you know, talk about knowing what he needed to know. We don't see any instance in there where God says, okay, let me lay out the whole plan for you. Here's how people are going to respond to you. Here's what you need to say when they do. Da, ba, 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 ba. He doesn't do that. But whatever he tells him enough, and Joseph knows enough that he can choose even if he is fearful, to what? To do what God says. He can overcome that fear. Uh, and then Mary, we know this, it says, then the angel said to, or excuse me, but when he, she saw him, the angel, she was troubled at his saying. And consider what manner of greeting this was. Troubled communicates this idea of a little bit of anxiety and, you know, fearfulness. And then he says, go ahead. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You, you think you're afraid, but listen, God is doing something. You don't have to be afraid. You can do this, Mary. And, and then um, the shepherds. Go ahead. Oh, you're, you're ahead of me. <laughs> and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. These are shepherds all of a sudden, whoa, what's going on here? And then it continues, it says, then the angel said to them, what? Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Um, does the fact that you tell somebody, hey, you don't need to be afraid, and they go, wow, thanks for telling me that. I'm cool now. Not usually, right? I mean, just hearing that fact. 
But, but what we want to understand is that it isn't just somebody telling you. This is God telling you, right? God say, look, I, I know everything about everything. I know all the stuff you don't know. I, I got this all taken care of. It's all planned. I got to take care of it. You don't need to be afraid. And we are human, so we may struggle with that. But the reality is we've got to say, okay, God, you know what? I am going to believe you, and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And we can overcome our fear. And so we see these verses in the story, but a, a little c- continuing down the line in the story, in Luke chapter 1, verse 74, it says, to grant us. This is, I think, uh, this is Zacharias, I believe, the Father John the Baptist talking about God. He says, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. We can overcome our fears. Psalm 27 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's put the, okay, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's God. Now let's, if we could somehow rather put those two things on a scale that balance like this, right? We say, what am I afraid of? You know, we put it on there and we go, what? Bang! And they say, well, but wait, God's on the other side. What happens? Bang! The other way. There's no comparison. No comparison. And we know, see, here's the promise, right? Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, why don't you read it with me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. God is with us. So we don't need to be afraid. We can overcome those fears that that just spring up and well up in us. And I've experienced this in my own life. I've had times, and I, I typically, I think I do a good job of hiding when I'm afraid. Probably the people who know me best can go, "Uh uh-huh, he's struggling. But then I've had times I find, why, why, why am I worried about this? Why? There's lots of things I don't know here. There's lots of things I can't make happen here. But God is with me. And God knows. And God can. So why am I letting fear run my life? And I guarantee you, when you let fear run your life, it will ruin your life. We don't have to go there. So that brings us, I'm sure we could find more, but to the end. You know, if you have received Jesus as Savior, God is with you right now and always, isn't he? So what do you find yourself fearing today? What do you find yourself fearing rejection over? Where do you find yourself fearing that you don't know what you need to know or that you can't do what you need to do? You know, what are you fearing? If you've received Jesus as Savior, the Lord is with you. I will fear no evil for you, God, are with me. I can do what I need to do. And so let me encourage you, lean into the Lord. Whether it's fears or any of these other things that we've talked about, lean into the Lord. His word is true. These things we've talked about in today are true. 
They really, really are. So lean into the Lord and trust Him. And if you still feel like I'm stuck, I'm struggling, talk to another brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, help me, pray for me. I'm, I want to do this. And if you haven't received Jesus as Savior, then guess what? This stuff isn't true for you. The solution is to receive Jesus as Savior. And you do that like I already said today. Come to understand it. You need a Savior. You believe in Jesus. You by faith, you receive him as Savior. And you just say, okay, God, this I believe. This is for me. You need to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that you give us there. I pray, Father, that we will take to heart these truths and other ones that you will show us along the way that... Uh, we have great reason to be encouraged. Lord, as you've shown me in the last few days again in my life and other people's life how hard this life is. And Lord, there's people in so many other parts of the world where life is much harder. Believers, life is hard, Lord, but yet in the middle of it all we have these reasons to be encouraged. Thank you for that. And I do pray, Father, for anyone here today who hasn't finally made that decision to receive your son as Savior, that right now they would just say to you in their own hearts, oh God, I receive Jesus as Savior. And that they let us help them understand that, Lord, that connect with us about it. So encourage us, help us to go forth, Lord, and live in the light of the encouragement that you've given us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.